I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon, a fantasy, a football, a podcast, part of the Fake Teams podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, rom-com aficionado, conductor of the now completely dead and defunct Devin Funcher hype train, worshiper of Nikhil Harry, friends with the Oracle, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara, and would like you to kindly wear a mask so we can all watch Cam Newton remind the NFL just how good he is. Yeah, humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by all of the guys. We have the Duck Father, recovering Texans fan, DK Metcalf's number one admirer, caster of the double reverse chutzpah, champion of doggos everywhere, proponent for a Jon Snow hair product line, and the man formerly known as Steve Timberland, resident old man Clark Barnes. WNBA hot take machine, El Sabatua, the captain of the Buccaneers bandwagon, proud father of Quentin Nelson, Scotty Miller fanboy, the best cornhole partner in the world, according to Jimmy Graham, the coach whisperer, the wine sipperer, the Will Disleyer, the working girl Jordan Smith, and finally, fantasy football's premier internet doctor, the biggest 49ers fan you know, Larry Fitzgerald's lone admonisher, the number two Walter Sobchak, but number one Tarzan, fan of what scientists lovingly call, quote, facts, teacher of the if you're not cheating, you're not trying mentality, and thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, Nick Botifer, the ginger mustache man. Uh, I don't care about you two, Jordan or Nick. I care about Clark, and congratulations on his nuptials. Mid-season form of the introduction. Uh, have them all refreshed on the on the mind and on the tongue. But uh well, congratulations. How does do you feel wildly different now that you are a married man? Nope. <laughs> Pretty much the same. I just have jewelry now. So has it taken have you gotten used to the jewelry? I know it's probably been nope. a little bit that it's it I've worn jewelry since I stopped wearing watches when I was like 19. For fans of the show, you'll know that was like 30 years ago. <laughs> and so yeah, taking some getting used to. Yeah. I I I will say in quarantine, I have not worn my ring since like April, probably. Uh, but when I do put it on to occasional occasionally it, it does I am reminded of the oddness of of having it on. It's, what I'm looking forward to more today is these AFC West players that I would put a ring on this year <laughs> Clark, in fantasy. Clark Barnes yeah, coming for my host job. Look at this man. He is a he is a happily betrothed man and he's coming to get a promotion. Look at him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're going to tackle the AFC West today. We're going to do our deep dive. Last uh, on Tuesday show was we got there. It was a bit of a hot mess. Uh, we were initially going to try to do the AFC and NFC South, which we should have known that it's impossible for us not to spend hours upon hours talking about the AFC South and it's uh, ripe fantasy players for the plucking. Um, and so since we didn't combine those, we are now just going to stay in the AFC and we're going to do the West this uh, episode. But before we get to that, we do have a little bit of news. 
First on the news bulletin, uh, two Dolphins wide receivers have announced that they are opting out. Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson both have said that they will not play in 2020. Now, this may not seem like uh, groundbreaking news. However, the two of them counted for, let me do some quick math right here, 190, no, 109, excuse me, 109 targets last year uh, in the Dolphins offense. So that is a good amount of work that now is going to get shared between obviously Devontae Parker, Preston Williams coming back and Mike Gesicki, who I think that this is a a particular uh, good boost for Clark. I know you are a Devontae Parker fan. Are you, are you now just through the moon now that there's an extra hundred targets that he gets to uh, eat into? I think Parker is appropriately priced now. Unfortunately, I think this is more for uh, Gasecki and whoever will enter the slot conversation for the Dolphins. Let me try to push you over the edge, Clark. Uh, Preston Williams may or may not be ready for week one, uh, per a report, I think, from today. Devontae Parker is about to get 200 targets in the first week of football. (laughs) This this is something we'll touch on, I think, later. But I really hate drafting players on teams that are not going to be very good it's a really tough decision to do that uh, and, and just more on that later so i like Devonte parker i really like uh tua taglia vola and uh ryan fitzpatrick has a special place in my heart but i just hate betting on players that are on bad teams yeah i'll agree with you there clark it's hard to um like draft players in a redraft league on a team that you just know is going to be full of question marks. Um, I, I like that this probably helps Devonte Parker get more attention than he otherwise would have. Uh, Preston Williams might get some targets once he gets on the field. Uh, Mike Kosicki might get some of those targets. Uh, Isaiah Ford played a little bit last year. Jakeem Grant is still there. Don't ask me how I know these names. I just do right now. Um, <laughs> They might get some of that load, but I don't think it's going to be as much as if um, Albert Wilson was still there. It might also mean we might get to see a uh, a little bit if if Matt Breida stays healthy. That it might be uh, you might see some of those targets go to him uh, coming out of the backfield. But well, it'll be interesting to see how this Dolphins offense plays out. But uh, obviously, not big names opting out, but certainly they had a role uh, in the offense. Moving on in the news, Marquise Brown. As one does in the offseason, the boy bulked up. He has gained 23 pounds of muscle, according to some reports, and is now playing at 180 pounds as opposed to the 157 pounds that he played uh, last year. So, Nick, as our resident doctor, is that good for a five foot nine receiver to have that much weight on his knees? I, uh, that <laughs> I don't think is an issue at all. Um, what I am curious about is trends of receivers gaining weight because, uh, running backs like early in their career who bulk up, like Le'Veon Bell is a perfect example. He went up to 600 or 600, Jesus Christ, he was six Bell feet tall and 600 pounds. Back. Yeah, he went up to 241 pounds, I think to enter his rookie year. And then he dropped down to like 225 his next year. And that's when he really, uh, popped off and so any, anyway um like this is something we should also talk about with ronald jones apparently having monstrous calves because he's bulked up anyway i don't know what the science is don't worry on... we'll get to ronald jones he's in the news okay cool so yeah i don't know what the the science is or the trends uh indicate as far as wide receivers gaining weight earlier in their career i don't think he's going to go slower than like a four three forty though 
And so I think he's okay. I think he'll be all right. And it's good that he's not 157 pounds in the NFL. It is kind of crazy that he was, I didn't realize that what his playing weight was until I saw the, the tweet that was like saying that he gained this much. And I was like, 157 pounds is, that is a, a small person for, for NFL. I'm, I'm seeing that he weighed in at the combine at 166, which might be just a situation of putting on a good amount of weight to weigh well at the combine. Um, so like 14 pounds adding on to like a guy who's going to be in a second year in the league, it's probably just a case of him being young and getting up to 180. He's still pretty light at 180 for an NFL player. As someone who has struggled with weight for their entire life, you always round in your favor. So I'm talking about losing weight, right? So I'm always like, oh, I was up to like 310, 315. And really, I was like closer to 300. So he was probably in the 160 range. But he was like, we got to make this headline pop. 114-pound Marquise Brown bulks up, <laughs> adding 73 pounds over the offseason. That's a much more interesting headline. I, I put on eight pounds. Yep. Yep. I like that. I like that. That Marcus I, Brown, So I'm actually 75 I'm gonna, pounds of muscle. I want to dissent here because I think where he did weigh in was his pro day. And that's where we got the 166. So I'm, as of now, a believer that he was 157. And I also wouldn't be surprised if he managed to just like chug water, eat snacks, tip the scales a little bit, but recovering from a Liz Frank and not being able to work out and then just like going into the cardio of NFL games, I would not be surprised if his actual weight during the season did drop down to 157. It wasn't that all along either way. Uh, now he's a whopping 180, and we'll we clearly, on. we clearly need to know more. So Marquise Brown, please consider coming onto the podcast and tell us about your, how you gained 23 pounds uh, this off season. Still very excited about Marquise Brown, regardless of weight concerns. Yeah. Well, we will, we will, when we get to the, uh, our AFC North deep dive, I'm sure we'll discuss him because, uh, yeah, he's exciting. He scored seven touchdowns last year, which somehow I feel like I did not, it did not register that he scored that many. Anywho's, uh, finally in the news, Nick's favorite player in the entire NFL is now the main guy in the Buccaneers backfield, according to Bruce Arians. And that is one Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones is the main man, despite the fact that they signed LeSean McCoy, despite the fact that they draft Keyshawn Vaughn. These are the words coming from Bruce Arians' mouth. Jordan, on a scale of one to not at all, how much do you believe Bruce Arians? I don't know. I think that's kind of a weird thing to say at this point in the offseason. And now that you've actually mentioned his name and we were just talking about players getting weight, I believe I saw somebody say yesterday that they were – near ronald jones or something and they said that he looks swole now too like he was everyone's just getting swole it. this off season his calves his calves yeah, calves were spoken of monstrous yeah. calves he has monster calves now um <laughs> I, I don't know how that's a I good it's right? a good fantasy team name if you draft ronald jones ronald jones's calves good fantasy team name by my count they've brought in three different running backs over the off season so i, I don't know if i really believe that so, uh, or do, do you have a witticism, Pete? Okay. Um, what we talked about last week with the LaShawn McCoy thing was just that he's good at pass pro. Dorade Gungawale and Keyshawn uh, uh, Vaughn are good pass catchers. I think Jones is just going to be the battering ram, and I think he's going to get 15 carries a game 
and that will probably carry value to some degree if they can pull off, you know, to, to borrow from a different team, but a Tom Brady team, like a LeGarrette Blunt role, because the defense is going to continue to give them short fields because the, the defense is like lights out. Um, I don't think they're going to have a ton of yardage, but I think that the uh, they'll be in scoring position a lot. So it might be a low volume lucrative role that ends up giving you points from time to time, but I'm sure there are going to be a couple of weeks where, you know, nothing happens and it, it comes back to bite you. I just include these little segments in the uh, news just to watch Clark roll his eyes at, at anything a coach says. <laughs> it's, I, I saw someone tweet this and I'm just going to steal it and I, I forget who it is, but all the return to normalcy with so-and-so put on weight. This disappointment from last year had a fantastic camp. It's just, you know, it's just so nice just to, we're back, baby. Football's we're back. back. We are back. Oh, football is here. Yes, you know that things are back. Best and ready camp to go. of his life. Well, at least we'll be spared <laughs> that for like a couple weeks. Yeah. Well, it's somehow there's still still somehow that's going to leak. It's going to be like he was the best in non-contact padded practice that we've ever seen him before. And you're like, yes. New yeah, Dolphins left like tackle that. smells wonderful. <laughs> that's the kind of stories I'm here for. There you go. That's how you draft your team, purely based on perceived uh, aroma. All right. Well, there's your news. Uh, we're going to get into the AFC West now. Uh, if you didn't listen to Tuesday's podcast where we broke down the AFC South, first of all, you should. Second off, we do this by going through four different categories. Uh, we have the must drafts, which we have rebranded under Clark's uh, uh, astute eye into trustworthy elites, we're calling them now. Uh, players who are going in the first one, well, first two to three rounds, who if you're going to draft them, you need them, you know, you need the confidence in them to that they're going to produce. So these are guys who we trust that they are worth their high ADP. Uh, a league winner, pretty self-explanatory. Someone who we are not drafting wherever they are, and that doesn't mean they're going to bust, but just rather we don't love them at their current ADP. Could also mean they're going to bust. And then finally, a late round sleeper, and just to uh, really boost up the, the level of production that this podcast has got, uh, we have nice little sound bites for each segment. So let's start off uh, with the trustworthy elites. There's no one more trustworthy than the elites. Waiter, I ordered the 89 Chateau, not the 99. So let's talk trustworthy elites. Uh, Jordan, why don't you start us off with who you are, who's going in the early rounds that you are drafting without hesitation from the AFC West? Um, so the guy I, uh, picked here to kind of just give you week to week, good production is, uh, Josh Jacobs with the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to keep on trying to say that throughout the show. Um, mostly because I just, I do like his value. He's going a little bit lower than some of the key like top tier running backs but I still think he's a running back that could just slip right into the top 10 top eight for the season um last season PFF graded him first in forced missed tackles and uh he had an overall grade of 87.1 which was second among running backs um so take that for whatever you think it's worth however high you value PFF grades um and his you should usage could and should go way up because I feel like the only veteran they added was Jason Witten. Um, and that's not exactly great. 
Uh, they added a, a couple of rookies. Uh, yes, they have rugs. Rugs should eat into a little bit of his work um, as, far, as far as the like short passes go. Uh, they added Lynn Bowden Jr. Um, in the draft, which I'm not really concerned that much with him vulturing because he is a running back slash wide receiver. They like had to come out and tell us which position he was going to play. So um, coming into an offseason like this, I don't know how well they're going to integrate him into the offense right away. Um, and last year, their offensive line was pretty decent. Um, they were sixth in adjusted line yards. Um, so it's a unit that can move bodies pretty well. Um, Got to put some respect on Rodney Hudson's name, one of the best centers in the league. Um, and Jacobs has good path catching ability. And they've they've been telling us this offseason that they want Jacobs to be more of a all around type of running back, a three down back. So I'm just trying to believe as much as I can what John Gruden is saying. Yeah, I initially had Josh Jacobs as my not drafting pick, but then Jordan, I saw you had him as your trustworthy elite. And I was like, okay, let me reevaluate my thought process here. Cause initially my thought process was he he's just he has wasn't used in the passing game at all last year, right? He only saw 27 targets, which is not great. Uh, and with him going ahead of guys like Miles Sanders or Kenyon Drake, I was like, mm, would I rather Josh Jacobs over someone like Miles Sanders or Kenyon Drake? But I think the thing that, that works for Josh Jacobs is the fact that he is going to be the workhorse in that running back. He's the workhorse in that backfield for that team. He saw 242 touches, uh, rushes last year, and that was on 13 games. Um, so I, I think he compares to like Derrick Henry's usage and the fact that like Derrick Henry does plenty on the ground to make him a very serviceable fantasy player, even though his you know receiving game is, is lacking. And if they do seriously uptick Josh Jacobs passing usage, then that just makes him even more, even more valuable in fantasy. So ultimately you changed my mind, Jordan. Well done. Yeah. This is one of those really good players on an incredibly crappy team that I don't want any part of, uh, I like that you threw the PFF grades out there because my meathead analysis is I just watched some Raiders games from last year and Josh Jacobs is really good. He's a fantastic running back. There's no reason that he didn't get the ball passed to him last year. Uh, in the games that he played, he was absolutely uh, the focus of the Raiders offense. And uh, we can say what we want about Chucky and most of it's true but he wants to run the football and he wants to run the football with one running back. And we saw that last year with Jacobs playing out there with like a broken shoulder for three games because no one in that organization was mature enough to take care of your first round draft pick, maybe thinking longevity wise, but Jacobs going, at, I think like number 10 or number 12, something like that. If you're going to take your pick out of the kind of third tier running backs, I think it's a great option. It just sucks that, you need touchdowns from your running back and the Raiders are just <laughs> Derek Carr loves nothing more than throwing the ball three yards downfield on like fourth and 28. And so it's just, their offense is just really frustrating to watch. All right. So I'm pumped to take a, uh, a Gandalf, you shall not pass stand against all of you guys on this one. So um, sorry for my plane going by. Um, all right, Josh Jacobs. So, so the, the Raiders, uh, their schedule shapes up to be much more of a shootout type deal. 
Now, there are uh, uh, Matthew Berry reported that Mayock said that he's going to be more involved in the passing game. There's an ESPN reporter who just asserted this. He didn't give any reason why. But what we're looking at is a running back who was one-dimensional last year, very good at rusher, but wasn't used in the passing game. Um, the team felt the need to go sign or re-sign Jalen Richard. They brought in Rod Smith and Devontae Booker. Both uh, Rod Smith is dual threat, but good pass catching back. Devontae Booker is a pass catching back. They drafted Lynn Bowden Jr. As Jordan noted, he was a wide receiver slash running back. So this guy has premier pass catching ability. And as soon as they drafted him during the draft, the team announced he is a running back. So I've said this before, but when I look at this, I see Josh Jacobs and then four pass catching backs that they decided to place on the roster behind him. That doesn't indicate to me that they want to give him a whole lot of passing work. Now they might, maybe let's say that they do want to, they still don't have an actual full off season or training camp to implement a, or to, to, to work on his hands, to work on his route running. Uh, he's not going to get the time that they would have wanted to give him. Um, and then the only other thing I, that I, I, I know I always go to schedule, but like just looking at this schedule, Panthers, Saints, Pats, Bills, Chiefs, I, these are all great offenses and it doesn't get any, I mean, Bucks, uh, uh, Browns, Chargers. Anyway, the, the teams that they're playing are going to be putting them into uh, at best neutral game scripts and, and very likely, uh, into negative game scripts where they're going to have to pass. And if this guy just isn't ready to handle it, I'm, I'm not optimistic. And were he going perhaps more in the range that Clark listed as maybe the RB 12, then that is something that I, I'm, I might be a little bit more interested in, but he's not in, in half point PPR. He's going off the board uh, with the 13th overall pick as the running back nine. I, it's going to be real tough for me to pull the trigger on him that early on uh, with what I see as uh, a limited uh, usage in the offense. So those are all, those are really good points. And just to, to provide a, a slight counter to that uh, watching some games today, uh, the chiefs beat the Raiders 40 to nine late last year in that game, Joshua Jacobs had 17 carries for 104 yards. And so game script is something that's really important to look at and projecting schedule, I think is something that's important to look at. And even with my take, I was saying, I, you know, I really like Josh Jacobs, but the Raiders suck. Uh, you were just saying in a much more eloquent way and providing reasons of, of <laughs> why that was, which I respect, but just, just to add the other perspective, uh, just because someone's playing a good team and a coach maybe shouldn't run the ball doesn't mean that a coach like John Gruden won't. Uh, and so the that's Pete just, I, I think Jacobs yeah, exactly. is that kind of player. He's, he's yeah. that's fair. so good. Uh, but yeah, really good points by you too, Nick. And I think that's why he is slipping and falling and why he's not just an ultimate, you know, no brainer first round. If I get him, I would also, I would add that Josh Jacobs has good hands. Like he, he can catch passes. It's just a matter of them actually using him in that way. Yeah. Uh, all right, Nick, why don't you give us, uh, the trustworthy elite that you are, you're buying this, this from the, uh, AFC West this year. Trustworthy elites. Okay, so uh, foreshadowing. We'll have a two-part answer to this, and and half of it will come later on. I was very down on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now I'm very up on him. We touched on this on on actually the last show. But basically, what I'm seeing here is Damian Williams was a a good running back, already established with the team. He's opted out. Now they've got their first-round pick, who is the the presumptive starter. Um, I think that his his per game touch total to uh, start the season 
with Williams opting out goes from like 15 or 16 to 18 to 20. And that's extremely valuable uh, in this, like, you know, four, four more touches in this offense, especially if two or three of them are coming through the passing game is extremely valuable. And the chiefs offense, they're, they, they're run so well and the schedule, they're run so well, the schedule doesn't matter. The way that, that uh, Andy Reid schemes these guys, like this is one of the best offenses of all time. Um, I, I think they do have some difficulty in their offense, but I don't think any of us are going to tell you that uh, Chiefs aren't, the Chiefs are not going to put up a ton of points. So anyway, uh, Damian Williams exiting, I believe, puts uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire into uh, like locked-in RB1 territory, which is not where I had him previously. Um and yeah, now I would take him as a end of first, early second round pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one's tough. And I'll have more on the Chiefs situation uh, later. And uh, the the worry with Edward Solaire is not that he's not talented. It's that he's about 5'7 and he's 200 pounds. That's really small. Uh, we have seen some small guys in the NFL make it. And we've seen some really big dudes get hurt. And so this isn't a you know, binary option of you're either big or you're going to get hurt, but he's a really little guy and he's going to be a rookie. Having said all of that, one of the guys that I'll talk about later that I was really excited about Darwin Thompson last year, you know, they were signing guys off the street to play over Darwin Thompson. So they were really unhappy with what they had at running back. I think they really liked Damian Williams and him leaving, I think opens the door for Edward Solaire and, uh, I, I doubt that he's going to get past the fifth or sixth round in most oh, yeah. uh, home leagues once this thing really starts going. We've already, we've already seen a bunch of expert drafts where people are posting that he went 101. This thing is about to get nuts. Oh yeah, he's God. he's going in the early third right now. But, yeah, just uh, show note, me and Clark should just one-two punch the, uh, the, the tail end of the show because we got a nice little spicy debate. Okay, so, sounds good. Thanks for the note, Nick. Um, <laughs> Clark and Nick coming for my job. Uh, I will, I will quickly, I'll quickly throw my trustworthy elite out too, because he's, I don't think there's going to be much debate about him. And he's also on the chiefs, Travis Kelsey. I mean, I just think that if you want to go tight end early, he is the tight end you pick. He is just like without fail, the number, the tight end one in the NFL. He's the only tight end outside of George Kittle, but even George Kittle has me a teensy tiny bit worried who is like, you know, he is the offense and then some like Travis Kelsey's not seeing less than 120 targets unless he gets injured uh, this year. So I just think that if you want to pull the trigger early on, on a tight end, Travis Kelsey is by far and away the guy to do it. He's going 17 overall, which means you're going to take him early in the second round. But I've done mocks before where I will go. Like if I get Saquon or Zeke, uh, running back one, Travis Kelsey two, and then I can still get someone like uh, what, who's falling down. I can get a Clyde Edwards Halar. I mean, if, if he's going at the beginning of the third round, but that's, but that's, if you're, yeah, that's, no, that's not, that's, that's not anymore. happening anymore. That's not happening anymore. But I like Chris Carson, for instance, like I think Chris mm-hmm. Carson can be easily a RB two. And now I've got like one of the best running backs, the best tight end. Uh, and we're, we've talked about how much depth there is at running at a wide receiver that I'm okay waiting until the fourth or fifth round to draft him. Basically, Travis, like, don't, don't worry about Travis Kelsey possibly maybe finally falling off. Like he's, he's the most reliable tight end uh, in fantasy this year yet again. Um, so just to stick up for Kittle very briefly, the dude is trending for insane positive touchdown regression. And with Debo Samuel out for 
I, I think quite a while a Jones fracture is no joke. And the team initially tried to play it off like that wasn't anyway. I, I'm still really high on Kittle. Um, I think that the Kelsey pick is super interesting. And I think that if I was to go with it in the second round, then I would be hoping for a, a, a chief stack. I'd be, I'd be hoping that Mahomes, sorry, the dog's upset. Um, buddy, you got to chill. He loves uh, Travis Kelsey. He loves, he's, he's yeah. like, Nick, how dare you? How dare you yeah. say George Kittle is as good as Travis Kelsey in fantasy this year? But, uh, okay, so wrapping up the point here, the, uh, studies are beginning to show that uh, stacking, which is a technique typ- typically used in daily fantasy where you get guys on the same team and you, you make sure you get the quarterback, is actually a really good uh, fan- uh, season-long uh, strategy. It's producing a high, high win rate. So I think if I do go Kelsey, then I'm really hoping that Mahomes falls into the third round so I can, I can take them and just eat just up ride. all their points. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, Clark, why don't you wrap up the trustworthy elites with a guy who I'm sure will, uh, will bring some discussion. And so I think, uh, I think at about pick 11 or 12, I'm, I'm happy to go Kelsey. And it's because of something that I've talked about on the podcast before, and I'm going to do it again, uh, this week. Uh, it's kind of in vogue because in 2019, we had a lot of really strong running back performances and a lot of strong running back performances that people predicted, that the pendulum has just swung completely away from the zero RB idea. And everybody's talking about how deep wide receiver is. And that's true. Uh, And when you look at the end of year rankings, you see a bunch of wide receivers that are all relatively equal. We're forgetting this is a week to week game. There's a lot of really up and down wide receivers. And I would contend that wide receiver is not incredibly deep. There are still like those five or six guys that are just absolutely amazing head and shoulders above the others. And so I think taking someone like, uh, you know, Devonte Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, or Michael Thomas, and then coming back with Kelsey, and then going with someone like my must-draft guy, Melvin Gordon, in the third round is a strong way to go. Uh, the Broncos, I don't think, are going to be very good, so we've got a little bit of the, I don't like taking players that are going to be on a bad team. But the Broncos went out, paid Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's been a really serviceable back for a long time, and the way that you protect your young, not very good quarterback is to run the ball. So I think Melvin Gordon is just going to get volume 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 and that in the third round I think is an incredible value instead of him going in the first and second like we've seen for the rest of his career yeah I think Gordon unfortunately is somebody who I'm just not going to be getting very many shares of um something that makes me really nervous is that they're they're retooling the offense so they they had Rich Gangarello there at offensive coordinator last year and he did a I thought a good job but they they chose to get rid of him um, and so they're implementing a new system. He's, he's, you know, uh, he was in the Chargers last year. He's going to a new team. Um, and as you said, they're not going to be very good. So I just, um, for all the reasons that, for everything that you said already, Clark, or for like what the, what the wards are, they just kind of scare me. And I think that I'm going to end up in the third round hoping, uh, I, I haven't checked his ADP, but I mean, if, if James Connor is, is still going in the third, I, I can't draft him quickly enough. I think he's around there. So this was the first time I've looked at this consensus ADP, and I was I was kind of surprised with where I think people are lagging. Melvin Gordon is 32 overall, um, RB17. I think Connor's I like know 40, this, 41. I have uh, Melvin Gordon as a stay away. So, so you're alluding that you'll talk about him later, Jordan, playing it, playing it saucy and, and loose. Yeah, just a, just a few bulletins. We'll we'll get through the uh, the regular scheduled program first. 
<laughs> Sounds good. Uh, yeah, I, I'm actually, I think Melvin Gordon Clark is, would fit right into what I was talking about with Travis Kelsey. We work well together, Clark, is what I'm saying. Uh, that he also, Melvin Gordon is someone who I would happily take as, a, as an RB2 in that third round if I went, if I went you know, RB wide receiver or RB tight end or even RB QB. Uh, then I would happily have Melvin Gordon as a as a running back too for me, which would which would free up you know one of those spots to do something cool with. Um, all right, well let's move on to league winners. Uh, but before we do, we are going to take a quick ad break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we are back and it is time. Oh my gosh, I did it. I just landed a league winner. So these are guys who, you know, maybe are not going super high, but they are people who have a really good chance to massively outplay their ADP and could be so productive that they could ultimately win you a fantasy championship. Uh, Nick, why don't we start with you? Who do you have from the AFC West as your league winner? Yeah, unsurprisingly, I, I'm just, well, anyway, I'll, I'll save my joke for later on. Henry Ruggs, <laughs> uh, it, it'll, it'll get better with age. So Ruggs is coming off the board as the wide receiver 50 at pick number 137. Um, his specialty is that he's faster than everybody else that's on the field. What in I like world. about in the world. And so what I like about um, rookie wide receivers whose primary like hat or trick that they pull out of the hat is just to go downfield and, and burn the rest of the defense. That's not something that is challenging there. You don't have to um, train or, or you don't have to, to coach them like a possession receiver where they have to win through technical means. Like I'm, a guy I'm thinking of here is like DK Metcalf at first Pete Carroll just said, run as fast as you can. They developed him as the uh, season progressed. John Gruden, he typically likes to have one uh, big, bad running back and one big, bad wide receiver. Last year, uh, the receiver aspect was kind of platooned with Darren Waller and Tyrell Williams. I think Tyrell Williams is a fine uh, veteran possession receiver. Yeah. The, the dog is just so angry right now. Um, and, uh, and, and Waller, you know, he, he's a great story came out of nowhere after like struggling with, with substance abuse for a few years. But I think that Ruggs has the opportunity to step in and assume number one wide receiver, uh, target role. Waller could still push him and, and Williams will still get his own, but they, they just didn't really have anybody who was going downfield. Like Hunter Renfro is a, a decent receiver, but he is really slow and it's tougher for him to get down the field. So I, 
I think Ruggs just steps into a situation where the downfield targets just belong to him. And again, it's not a very complex thing that they're going to be asking to do. I think that he will get work around the line of scrimmage. I think they will ask him to do more than just that. But I think that he's he's got deep shots with his name on every game. And like I was referring to in the, the Josh Jacobs section, they're basically playing teams that are going to be putting up points, putting tons of points up on the board. And theoretically, Clark, to your point, putting them in a pass-happy game script. So, uh, you know, the wide receiver at, at, at pick uh, 137, that's um, it's like the 12th round, 11th round. Like, yeah, that's awesome. And at that point, and at that, and at that point, if he doesn't do anything, you're like, cool, who cares? It was my 12th round pick. But you're right that he has wide receiver two at the – I mean, I, would, I think wide receiver two is, is almost – a given for him and possible just just in the sense of like what you said he is going to be the number one guy and i've spoken at length about this on on this show is is my love for henry ruggs um and how he's not just like he has the speed to just be a downfield burner but he's also not he's also can run you know all kinds of routes on the route tree um and so i think while we'll see him use his speed to start the season as like getting big plays downfield we could see then his role increase even more so, or he become a more refined receiver throughout the year, however long the year might be. So in, in the where, where he finishes, I don't, I don't think matters, right? But if you're taking him in the 10th round, it is pretty easy for me to tell the story about how, man, I'm feeling really good about uh, starting rugs week seven here against the Cowboys because he does have the potential to be explosive. And we're going to see, pretty early on, you know, whether he's start worthy, whether we want to hang on to him or maybe whether we'll be looking at him next year, uh, played at Alabama, high level of competition, looked really good at Alabama. So fast. And like you said, a good receiver, um, 10th round pick. If you give anyone a hard time for their favorite 10th round pick, I, I want to talk to you, just see what you're thinking. <laughs> but yeah, this is definitely a, a guy to, to take a shot on. Uh, Cause even though Derek Carr, seems allergic to throwing the ball deep i don't know maybe mariota will push him a little bit and we'll see rugs being explosive this year yeah pete mentioned earlier that hollywood brown had seven touchdowns somehow last year so there's no reason that like henry rugs doesn't have that as some sort of floor i mean the touchdowns give or take but at least the overall season that hollywood brown had because hollywood brown was injured for a lot of it um, one of the frustrating parts about Derek Carr's game is that he can throw a really pretty deep ball. Um, it, they just don't, or he just doesn't. Um, so hopefully like rugs gives him the confidence to actually chuck it downfield if they decide to use his speed, because he's got that kind of speed that makes safeties and corners be like, God damn it. How did he get back there? Like, he's just past them like John Brown, like Hollywood, like a lot of these guys. Uh, you know who also has that speed? Clark, your league winner, Mr. Miko Hardman. Yeah, so we're looking at about the same time in the draft. This is well after you've uh, <laughs> picked the people that you've fooled yourself into thinking are going to be on your team all year, and you're just taking shots on people. So Miko Hardman, in his second year with Kansas City, uh, showed us last year that, yeah, he ran a really fast 40, but he also looked like he ran that really fast 40 on the field in pads. Uh, the knock against Hardman, and he's probably, to be generous, fourth in the pecking order for targets behind Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and whoever is playing running back. Uh, but 
I, I think Sammy Watkins is uh, not long for this team or certainly not long for being the number two wide receiver. And I think that this is one of those situations where the offensive pie is going to be so big in Kansas City that even if you think my Hardman take is bad, you should be taking shots on someone who is an auxiliary player in Kansas City later in the draft. There's just so much to go around. Uh, all of these guys are an injury away from getting bumped up. And Hardman showed us last year just so incredibly fast. Oh, yeah, and he's the number two wide receiver behind, like, maybe the fastest wide receiver in the league. Yeah. So good luck. Again, playing Kansas City this year. Yeah. I agree with this one because, again, it's a late-round pick. But also, it's like – I was going to mention this before with Edwards Hilaire and Travis Kelsey is that part of you just wants to get a piece of the Chiefs' offense. If Patrick Mahomes can stay on the field for the full length of the season, then you're just like, yeah, I want to get a piece of that pie. Like, last year, I don't know if you guys felt this, but in several of, like, dynasty leagues – um, you know, when Tyreek Hill, if he would miss a game or some time, or if Sammy Watkins went down, it was just, oh yeah, I want to try to get Demarcus Robinson. Let's add him to the roster or, or Byron whoever Pringle. else. Byron literally Pringle, anyone yeah. who said who like step foot on the field and could catch a ball. People, they were using their full fab on whatever backup Kansas City wide receiver. So yeah, just got to get a piece of it. It blows my mind anytime I look at Sammy Watkins' targets last year. He was targeted 90 times. That's crazy. That blows my mind. My mind is blown. So uh, I really like Michael Hardman as a player. I just think it's a little uh, – it's, it's not his time. There, uh, I agree the Chiefs' offense is going to score a ton. And I think that he will find the end zone a, a handful of times. But we're talking about getting the leftovers of Tyreek Hill – Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, as you said, who Andy Reid like really, really loves. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys read that Bleacher Report article that uh, it was an interview that uh, from from earlier this summer. He talks about all sorts of crazy stuff. He's part of like a, a, a male supremacist cult. It's crazy. Um, and he Andy Reid? What? No, no, no. Yeah, Sammy Watkins. Go that, go look oh. that up. That's that's something else. But, I mean, the interview that they gave, that's it's a different interview, different crazy interview. This one, um, I mean, he talks about how he, he drank a ton, and it, it really kind of had a negative impact on his body. Andy Reid loves him, though. I think I think he kind of wants to he, – he, he does what Andy Reid asks him to on the field, and Andy Reid gets to look after him. I think that there's, like, a, a relationship that those two guys have um th that's always going to keep him on the field while he's at least while he's still playing so anyway those targets plus the backfield um as we as you guys did say uh pringle and and robinson are there too i think that hardman can be a phenomenal nfl receiver especially in this offense at some point but i i think that it will take yeah watkins or, or hill going out um but to to parrot what clark was saying earlier on taking him i mean if he is going in that like 130 range it's actually it's the, the 12th round I, do it you know like uh, it it's not a bad time to take a flyer yeah, on a the down a downfield threat in the chiefs offense i'm just not i can't get on board with like yeah i'm, I'm pumped about this pick he's going 123 uh overall wide receiver 46 okay yeah so 11th round i mean that that's good um you take i just wish more right. for him I think it's just he just wants Miko Hartman to hit his highest highs, you know. Then that's that's fair, that's respectable. Uh, Jordan, who you got for a league winner this year? 
Um, I can already feel this one being a little bit controversial, but I, I just wanted to give a little bit of love to Keenan Allen. Um, I think the Chargers offense as a whole is being a little bit left behind because people are afraid of what like Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert might be bringing to the table. And rightfully so, they should be a little bit worried about it. But I, if this offseason is so wonky, if they at least start with Tyrod Taylor, I'd trust him as like a veteran quarterback to at least, you know, put up some yards and get the balls to his wide receivers. And Keenan Allen is the ultimate slot, like, safety blanket for a quarterback especially a quarterback that um if they put in justin herbert right away or after a month or after the bye week that's somebody who's like i need a guy that i can just count on to chuck the ball to um keenan allen has kind of a reputation for injury uh history but he's played all 16 games the past three years um and in those times he's finished wide receiver six 12 and three um so going uh, currently wide receiver 19 at 47 overall. I don't mind um, grabbing Keenan Allen there as possibly like your third wide receiver by that point, um, depending on how your draft falls. And he could easily, especially if we're talking half point PPR with this ADP, but if you're in a full point PPR league, uh, he could be putting wide receiver one to two output while sitting in your slot. So. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. Uh, I'll let the other two guys talk because I'm going to string this into my league winner. Yeah, so I just I did my first dynasty draft the other day, uh, two QB, and I picked Keenan Allen in the eighth round. I know that it's probably not going to get that bad in your home leagues, and it shouldn't because the points you made, Keenan Allen's really, really good. And he's going to be on a bad team, but he's a fantastic wide receiver. And what did you say that he was – he was going as like 47th overall wide receiver 19. So end of the fourth round is, is absolutely ridiculous. There, there aren't going to be a lot of weeks where you feel like, I don't really want to start Keenan Allen. It's like, no, even if, even if that team is terrible, 180 yards through the air and a touchdown is like a horrible performance. And Keenan Allen could be getting the lion's share of that. So as much as I don't like this argument, Keenan Allen is one of the great players to make the argument of, I can wait on wide receiver because there are so many elite talented ones still in the draft later. Yeah. Keenan Allen's uh, tough for me to get on board with. We've touched on their schedule before it sets up for a bit more of a uh, ball control style offense. And I think that that's accentuated with Terod Taylor being at the helm. Uh, I think it'd be uh, accentuated even more so if, if Herbert finds his way onto the field. Taylor likes to throw the ball uh, downfield rather than in, in the short to intermediate area where Keenan Allen dominates. And I have a tough time believing that the team is going to average more than like 20 to 25 pass attempts. Um, there's chatter from people much smarter than myself who are actually uh, starting to lock onto Mike Williams is the, the real value here just because his downfield presence sets up a lot better with uh, Terod Taylor's preferred passing area than does Keenan Allen. E even if he doesn't end up uh, surpassing him and he's just a decent value, I still think we're looking at a bit of a crowded uh, passing tree given the low volume of the offense. So Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and Austin Eckler, these guys are all going to be getting theirs. And if he's throwing the ball, if Terod Taylor's throwing the ball 24 times a game, right? Uh, forgive my math if it's off here, but that's six targets a piece. And I think that that's actually like a, a fairly 
likely or possible uh, kind of a, a, a target distribution. And um, I, they remind me somewhat of like, it, we can take that kind of volume begrudgingly in, in Seattle where they have two passing game options. And then in the, in the red zone with, with Lockett and Metcalf and Lockett is going right next to Keenan Allen. Uh, but Lockett, he's getting uh, downfield targets, perhaps the same amount of targets, but they're downfield. They're, they're more high leverage. Uh, and they only have to really add in uh, tight end targets when they get into the red zone. Anyway, uh, I'll wrap it up here, but the point is it's a low volume offense. And I don't know that he plays really in the area of the field uh, where he's going to be, uh, preferred and the guys going around him I just like a lot more so I'm I, unfortunately I, I think he's extremely talented Danny Kelly just put out a piece where he named him the craftiest route runner in the NFL I think he's terrific I just think that it's it's unfortunately not a great situation for him yeah see I think I think I I think the Chargers offense is one that I'm going to kind of if if everyone keeps getting depressed in value like I'm going to buy into some of these guys and Keenan Allen to me is one of the top guys because of what you said Nick like he can get open and he can catch. I guess, like, I mean, Bert, don't you agree that what else do you need? Yeah, he agrees. Uh, that's like, if you, whether it's Tyrod, whether it's Justin Herbert, like, if your number one wide receiver can get open reliably and can catch whatever's thrown his way, that to me seems like uh, solid production, especially going as, you know, wide receiver almost 20. Uh, but my league winner, also from the Chargers, is and this is a little bit of a cop out. You're going to have to kind of uh, do your own gut pick, but it's whomever is the backup running back for Austin Eckler, whether that's Justin Jackson or Josh uh, Joshua Kelly, who they drafted. Uh, both of those guys. Let's bring them up. Josh Jackson or whatever his name is, Justin Jackson is going uh, RB fifty three one oh seven overall, and Kelly is going <laughs> RB seventy one two hundred fifty two overall. Uh, so that's not a pick, but basically like, I th I think so much has been put on Austin Eckler and the excitement around Austin Eckler and rightfully so had a huge season last year, but his huge season was predominantly in the passing game. Melvin Gordon led that team in touches and attempts last year, despite only playing 12 games, he had 162 carries for 600 plus yards and eight touchdowns. Like, I don't know if Austin Eckler is necessarily, and that was, you know, with Austin Eckler, showing what he did in the in the first part of the year before Gordon came back and then playing alongside that I think Austin Eckler will still see a had more touches he saw 132 on the ground last year he might see more but it, this isn't this isn't they're suddenly going to give Austin Eckler like 100 targets and 270 carries so I think whatever running back that's behind Austin Eckler uh is huge upside for for the Chargers because of the fact that who knows what Austin Eckler is going to do on a full, on a full workload and with, with a back behind him. And we saw Justin Jackson have some fantasy value when it was just Austin Eckler there uh, before Melvin Gordon returned. You make fine points, but I have a very soft spot in my heart for little uh, disrespected guys who play a really I good love half Austin of the season. Eckler. And so no Pete, he's going <laughs> to play 16 games. He's going to hey, be the RB five. It's all. Gonna I have be Austin Eckler in like all of my dynasty leagues. And if he, if he gets 200 and like 70 carries and a hundred targets, I am going to be the happiest man on earth. I just think for one of those backs, I mean, if you can buy them for free, if anything happens to Eckler, if there is, you know, if we see that Eckler doesn't maybe get the lion's share of the groundwork or the red zone work on the ground, one of those guys is going to have 
so much value uh, or, or at least solid value and well outplay the fact that they're going basically free right now. I would love Austin Eckler to just tear the league apart. I don't think Justin Jackson is good. <laughs> like just generally as a player, I don't think he's very good. And I think if, if we're talking league winners, these guys would have to have, um, and you hope it doesn't happen, but Austin Eckler would have to like go down with injury. And that's the only way that I feel like these guys would give you enough points to actually put you over the edge. So uh, I love Justin Jackson as a person. I really want to root for him. I think that Josh Kelly is a little bit more of a dual threat than Jackson is, who I think is a a decent rusher, but uh, hasn't shown a ton through the passing game. Um, That being said, the the whole veteran aspect definitely carries weight this offseason. So I I do think this is probably a pick your poison. But I also want to say that what if if you're interested in, in drafting somebody other than Eckler in this backfield, you should be combing through all of the practice reports for the Chargers just to see who is getting snaps with the first and second team. Uh, it, like, even if it's like you know one of them gets five and the other doesn't get any, um, that's the guy. Go with that guy. Like if Jackson gets five snaps with the first team and and that's the whole that's it, go, then then that's that's a big uh, uh, letter tip of the hand. Yeah. Um, I do want to uh, uh, correct something. Said I don't think Eckler is going to get six targets per game. I think it'll be three or four. Um, and I said that earlier, and I just figured I, I just want to get that out there. It's not going to be six because that's because he, he's there's no way he's going to get plus like he, he had like a hundred targets last year. Not happening this year with with Taylor. It's it's going to be sixty, maybe seventy. Um, this is so, the most painful segment Clark has ever listened to. Sorry, sorry, Clark. <laughs> no, I I, I just. Uh, Earlier, you said something about uh, Clyde Edwards Slayer or someone getting 20 touches a game. And we're just like, I, I am very much guilty of this. And so I won't make fun of any, but we are very bad at estimating touches. There's only a couple of <laughs> players last year who got 320 catches, but you say 20 cu- touches a game and that just sounds normal. Like that's that's just what running backs get, right? And so uh, I like your, your amending of like three or four targets a game for a running back is a lot. Like that that's a lot of targets. And uh I always try to keep things like that in mind, even though I constantly forget while I'm doing my projections and stuff like that. Coming up next, why Rob Gronkowski is going to suck this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving this podcast. Uh, all right, let's get into uh, players who are not drafting from the uh, AFC West. <laughs> Red alert. Red alert. Do not draft this player. Red alert. Red alert. And I'll start us off. Uh, I'm going to talk Cortland Sutton here. I am not touching Cortland Sutton anywhere in any of my leagues. Uh, I know that people are all hot on, uh, on Drew Locke, even though he's played five games and looked adequate in those five games. Sutton had like definitely broke onto the stage and, and showed us what he could do last year. I don't think he's going to repeat that. He's going as the wide receiver 18 right now. These are the like in this cluster of three receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster, Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, all going back to back. So much rather Juju and Ridley over Sutton. Even if you go down the list, James Conner's right behind Sutton. I'd rather James Conner than Cortland Sutton. Tyler Lockett is later. Keenan Allen, Jordan's Keenan Allen. I'd rather Keenan Allen over Cortland Sutton. Basically, I'm I'm just not sold in this Broncos offense that could be having extra emphasis on the ground game with Melvin Gordon. Now has Jerry Judy there. They're going to look to get Noah Fant more involved. Like this was the perfect storm uh, 
for Cortland Sutton last year. And the problem that the biggest thing that I take away is from weeks one through 12, when he was playing without Drew Locke, he saw he had 9.8 yards per target, 16.6 yards per reception. So he was getting the ball down the field. Then the five games that they had Drew Locke, seven yards per target, 12.7 yards uh, per reception. So suddenly he wasn't getting the ball as far downfield. He wasn't getting as many yards per reception. Uh, and as someone who's going to be, who's going to probably see his targets and receptions decrease given the number of weapons that have been added or, or are looked to being involved in this offense and relying on drew lock to, to be kind of all that he's cracked up to be. If he's not, if he's not putting up as many yards as possible per reception, then I think that depresses his fantasy value. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm not buying the hype to the point where I'd like draft him with the likes of Juju or, or Ridley. Yeah. There's, there's just a ton of guys going after him in ADP that I, that I would love to take. So yeah, he's not going to be on any teams. Of mine. I think out of those three that you just mentioned, Pete, I would take Cortland Sutton second behind Ridley. Um, but yeah, I am a little bit worried about Drew Locke. I'm just not sure. Like, you're right. He, he played a few games. Uh, he played well in those games. Everybody loved him dancing on the sidelines. Like, that's cool and everything. But we're just – like, it's okay to say we're not sure if he's good yet. Like, we just don't know. So that I feel like that should be – that should be like – you shouldn't have to, like, worry about that statement. I feel like that's a very obvious – like, Drew Locke has played five games. He was fine in them. I don't understand why all of Denver Nation is like, Drew Locke is fucking amazing. Don't you dare say anything bad about Drew Locke. Like, I'm sure he will be a perfectly adequate starter, maybe even better than most, but it's like, I'm just going to wait and see if this number one wide receiver in Denver is actually going to be the number one, especially considering the guys that are going, you know, like immediately after him. Yeah, so quick board bet uh, or or beer bet opportunity for anybody who wants to say average half point uh, fantasy points per game, uh, Calvin Ridley over over Sutton. Um, But... uh, Cortland Sutton is being drafted at his talent or, or even perhaps below his talent. Like he's, he's phenomenal and wide receiver 18. He probably deserves to be higher uh, than that on talent. If but he was on a different like we, team. I, yeah. If he was in a different situation, yeah. like he was great. Um, it's just, I, I'm so they're they're Yeah. Their quarterback has five, five starts under his belt. Uh, they get sharp football's second toughest uh, slate of pass defenses this year. It, it's just a real difficult situation. And, uh, as everything Clark had to say about uh, Melvin Gordon probably getting high volume is, is probably true. Um, but you know, they, they're also, they're, they're switching to a new offensive coordinator. Like it's just, there's just a lot of factors that are around Sutton that make him a really difficult draft next to guys. Like everyone here has said, Juju Ridley, Connor, uh, Mark Ingram, like, Tyler Lockett is going, you know, almost a half a round later. And like, I, I, I want him more than Sutton. Yep. Jordan, let's stay in Denver because uh, as you've alluded to, you now finally get to get to talk some negativity about Melvin Gordon. Um, I'll go through this one quickly because we already touched on him. Um, I just think with the Denver backfield, this one looks a little bit crowded to me, especially with Philip Lindsay, because I still think he's a pretty good player who should get touches. Um, and it looks a little close to a three-man rotation there. Um, he did sat out or sit out early last year, so that impacted his fantasy output. But when he was in, he just didn't look that good. And it kind of just, to me, it was like, oh, yeah, Austin Eckler's got this offense. He has proved that he is the better back in this situation. So that kind of knocks him a little bit for me. Um, 
they have a relatively decent run blocking offensive line, but they just drafted a rookie to be their starting center. Um, that kind of worries me in terms of like the communication along the offensive line. Um, I like Lloyd Cushenberry, but again, we're talking rookies, wonky off season. Um, who knows how much time they're going to have to work with each other. Um, all that stuff. I just believe runs in concert. And um, the guys that are immediately after him in the, in this um, ADP, I would draft instead of him. And that's Odell Cooper cup, AJ Brown or Mark Andrews. I would take all of them instead. Clark, you want to fire your rebuttal? No, I I feel like that was the rebuttal. So uh, <laughs> the rebuttal to the those, rebuttal. Those are all very fine points. Uh, my, my favorite being the, the guys going after him are really appealing. Uh, but I, I have that soft spot in my heart for a guy who I think is going to get 250 touches at running back that I can get in the third round. So. Clark, are you sure? Are you sure that many touches? No, we, we do have a, if I knew he was going to get 250 touches, I'd probably take him in the top two, right? Like anyone who I know is going to not blow his ACL out two weeks into the year. I will take that person. I want to make sure you knew you, you correctly estimated how many touches he might get. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for keeping me honest, bud. I got you. Uh, all right, Nick, who are you, uh, who are you staying away from in the AFC West this year? Okay. So before everybody loses it, listeners, especially, I'm staying away from Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, the reason I say that he's going in the second round. Yeah. Um, and, and bringing up like Clark to reiterate the point that, that you just kind of made uh, the guys going around him are extremely appealing. Like Chris Godwin, George Kittle, Miles friggin' Sanders. I, like there's no way that I'm taking a quarterback when I can find boom value in guys with the last seriously last two picks in my draft. And uh, Mahomes, uh, every week that he's healthy, you're, you're starting him. It doesn't matter what, what the situation is. Um, I, I will nerd it up here with the doctor thing. I really can't believe that he did not uh, I'm blanking on the, the ligament name, but the fact that he didn't have the, uh, reconstructive surgery on his knee is, is really shocking. I encourage everybody to just go look, look it up, look up the ligament that he tore and then just go look up images of, of how that would be fixed. Um, it's pretty wild. I mean, that kneecap is it's gonna be like a, a trying to hold a fish like I, I don't dangling know he, in the wind. Yeah. I don't know why he chose to do it, but he'll play with a, a brace on and that'll probably, it'll, you know, very good chance to play 16 games, but um, with the slight elevated risk of injury and, and having your second round pick, uh, go down like yeah now may, uh, like I said earlier if you're stacking okay we can talk about it but um, yeah a quarterback in the second is just way too early for my blood no I'm with you I, I in a in a one quarterback league uh, there's gonna be maybe what 20 quarterbacks taken 22 and in a one quarterback league I'm very happy taking the 23rd that the, the second is just way too high I feel like if somehow you're in a league and he or Lamar are hanging around at the end of the third, early fourth, like I can squint real hard and really like my team and maybe consider it. But the middle of the second is just, that's, that's way too much. Yeah. And he's almost, going to get drafted there, right? Like unless right, you play he's, not gonna, he's not going like to fall 16 people who also write for some <laughs> publication, like they're someone's going to be like, y'all are dumb. Patrick Mahomes, number six. Oh my God, I'm Patrick Mahomes sitting here at 101. And they might win. Who knows? I don't know. We don't know. Yeah, I was going to pick Mahomes. Um, 
just strictly from the ADP, like second rounds too rich for my flavor. And um, it's, it's different than Lamar Jackson. Yes. He'll put up a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns, but he's not going to quite get the rushing yards that a Lamar would. Um, Even still, I don't even know at this point I'd pick Lamar Jackson like that early either. So it's, that's just against my, uh, my drafting philosophy. I will sit on quarterback for as long as it takes. Remember Lamar was going in the 13th round last year. Whoa! We all told you to draft him, and you better because he would. I got him every league like, except for one where someone listens to this show, and he took him in like the <laughs> seventh, and I was about to take him. I was like, I don't care. I'm going way up. I think he's going in the tenth. Come like uh, slacker draft time, like the like preseason week four. I can't stand it. If you were a proponent of late drafting. Unac- unacceptable according to Nick. have some yeah <laughs> have some, do your homework have some and have decency. some courage draft early <laughs> uh clark why don't you wrap people. up wrap up the uh, players you're not drafting uh this one's pretty easy and I, i've kind of pounded on the raiders of why but darren waller had a really great year last year and and if you picked him up off of waivers and, and wrote him great that's good i'm really happy for you but he's going as like the fourth or fifth tight end off the board in the fourth or fifth round and that's just the, – the Raiders had no wide receivers last year. Uh, you know, Hunter Renfro had a couple of good games, but I just do not see Darren Waller repeating. And I, I'm i like Ricky Bobby with tight ends. I'm either going to be first or last. And, I, you know, I don't want to go in the middle with my tight ends. I'm just – just avoid Darren Waller. You're in for a lot of disappointment for your fifth-round pick. I wholeheartedly agree. He's not seeing 115 targets again this year. I think he's seeing maybe – 80. Jason Witten is going to get a surprising number of, I'm not joking. I know Jared that's the Connor crazy hates thing. Throwing the ball downfield. That's like the crazy a thing. Guy who's going to be in the right spot and open. Jason. Never Witten's forget. Get a lot of never forget. Year. Jason Witten saw 83 targets last year. He's going to walk into that in Las Vegas. Yeah, I agree. If there's a like highly drafted tight end that I feel like it's just not going to hit those same numbers. It's, probably Waller because I just felt like that was a pretty big outlier of a season for him in terms of targets. And they brought in like a Henry Ruggs. And like I said before, they want to get Josh Jacobs involved in the passing game. If they can, these other pass catching running backs, I feel like they don't want to force feed the tight end necessarily. So I think he might take a step back. Yeah. I think uh, Clark said it well with the, if you're not first or last, um, Drafting middle round tight ends is just, it's kind of a risky uh, endeavor. You're not going to get much return on it and you're sacrificing a lot, a lot of uh, opportunity cost. All right, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap up the AFC West and let's talk late sleepers. Shh. You mustn't wake the late round sleeper. There you go. I was about to say, for those of you who aren't watching, Pete is playing a soundbite that we can't hear. So just imagine that for the past 15, 15 <laughs> seconds. It's, it's him whispering to you over a lullaby. Yeah, yeah. So whatever that's worth. Yeah, there you go. Well, exactly you, I'll, I'll, I'm going to fix it in post. I'm going to fix it in post. So they, it. when people are listening to it, they'll be like, this is barely loud and clear. And then Clark comes on and it's like, I can't hear shit. <laughs> um, all right, all late right. round sleepers. Jordan. 
I know Nick and, and Clark have, have a battle royale to duke out, according to Nick. So uh, you and I have the same sleeper, and so let's quickly touch on him. We've talked a lot. He's just come up naturally uh, in these conversations. I am big on Hunter Renfro this year, going uh, way in the background of drafts, and he's obviously he's wide receiver 61 going 176. I think <gasps> we have, we have, we have a, a Clark wife sighting, and then she left. He, uh, a lot of hype obviously is going to Henry Ruggs and rightfully so. Uh, but I think Hunter Renfro, he was second on the team in targets last year with 71. He was second on the team in red zone targets last year with 10. Uh, and if you take his second half of the year, uh, he was on pace for 109 targets, 83 catches, thousand plus yards and eight touchdowns. So the guy was producing, uh, in the, in I guess Las Vegas's offense. And I think he's going to, again, kind of, he built up chemistry with Carr. We've talked a lot about players who are coming into the system, having a leg up. Uh, and so I think I would expect him to do something similar. I think Henry Ruggs has that potential to be a wide receiver two, wide receiver one category. So he has the higher ceiling than Hunter Renfro, but I think Hunter Renfro's floor is really hard to pass when you're talking about him going what in like the 14th round. I can't do math, but 176 is way late. Yeah. Yes. To all those points, um, Hunter Renfro first team all, I would never guess you're a professional athlete. Um, <laughs> he, he missed, <laughs> he missed a few games last year, but like you said, he was still uh, second on the team in targets behind Darren Waller. So like he outpaced um, Williams for targets. Um, he had five games or no. Yeah. In the 13 games he played last year, he had at least five targets, eight times. Um, he was 27th, uh, the 27th wide receiver by DVOA last year. Um, so I kind of like when a wide receiver is up there, like in the top 32, um, and rugs could eat into his target share a little bit. Um, but I just think again, wide receiver 61, like he's just a, a complete late round flyer. And if he continues to get the targets and work on that chemistry with Derek Carr to throw those three yard routes, then that that's good for half and full PPR. Yeah. And I think generally this isn't the kind of guy that I want to take a shot on, but if you've had a really risky uh, rookie filled early part of your draft, getting someone like Renfro late to produce, you know, solidly for you at the beginning of the year, and maybe it turns into something. I think that's a good strategy too. Uh, Hunter Renfro is a really interesting Dude, uh, so he's a. This is where slow... Nick comes on and says, "Guys, I like all the points you've said, but I am no, disagree." I don't. It's so weird. So he's a slow receiver. He bowled out in the slot. He he did really well. Um, something that I, I just never would have imagined. I had to go look this up. Um, so in early May, uh, Evan Silva tweeted the list of yards per route run. Uh, stats for last year's rookie class. We've talked about yards per outrun before. It's a signature statistics, a statistic of pro football focus. It is proven to be uh, predictive in terms of future wide receiver success. Um, AJ Brown tops the list with 2.67, which is preposterous. Um, that's like, it's, it's insane territory. Second on the list at 2.09 is Hunter Renfro. So I don't know what to think of this guy. <laughs> Like Renfro, Renfro, as good as AJ Brown, you heard it here first. He's well, so Brown again, 2.67, Renfro 209, uh, Terry McLaurin 205, Debo 204. 
uh, Marquise Brown, 1.18. Like, Renfro is in elite, crazy (laughs) company. And again, like, I just, I have no idea what to make of him. I think it's a a crowded receiving court at this point. Um, Renfro, Ruggs, Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller, friggin' Jason Witten, all the pass catching (laughs) backs. Um, I don't know what to think of him in the 14th round. Sure, fucking go for it. But uh, I don't think I'm going to be targeting him, but I really don't know what to make of him because that's a, an incredible start to a career. Hunter Renfro, just scrappy gym rat gamer. <laughs> Lunch pail guy. Lunch pail, yep. Clocks Cerebral. in, clocks out. Yep, yep. You know those, you know those kinds of players. Uh, all right, Nick and Clark, I'm giving you guys five minutes total to battle it out as to which backup Kansas City running back you should be drafting. Oh, man, Nick's going to win that one. He does better <laughs> research than me. Uh, I'll, I'll go quickly so you can hear what you know my arguments are. Uh, Darwin Thompson has kind of been a late starter for his entire career. He started off as a junior college guy. I think he was like uh, offensive second team his freshman year and then won like league MVP at the junior college level his second year. Then he went to Utah, you know, had over a thousand yards and looked really good. Uh, he came onto my radar because of uh, Matt Waldman, who does fantastic film work and who's nailed a lot of running backs in the past. Like my love for Nick Chubb started with Matt Waldman, you know, showing me him and just really respect where this guy is coming from. Uh, the, Drawback with Thompson is that he's a little guy. He's 5'7", 5'8", and he's about 200 pounds, which is a knock I used on Edward Solaire. Uh, But there's a bit of a difference between little guys. Sometimes you're a little Ray Rice, and uh, sometimes you're Philip Lindsay, and neither one of those should be taken as an insult. Uh, Watching Darwin play last year, he looked like a very solid player. Uh, He could catch the ball. He was really quick. He got low all the time. He seemed to pick up his pass blocks really well. But then the concerning part is, is they brought in Spencer Ware instead of letting Darwin Thompson play. So he could just never really get on the field, even though he looked okay. So I'm telling myself that he's just a slow starter. And then in his second year, we should expect a lot more. And then Kansas City went and drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And it just kind of ruined my preseason narrative. But I'm, t- I'm picking up Thompson everywhere. Uh, he is number two on the depth chart behind Edwards-Hilaire. And I think the talent is there. I don't think any 200-pound back in the NFL is, is going to make it a full season. So I'm going to stash I'm gonna stash Thompson everywhere. So um, my love of Damian Williams transferred over to DeAndre Washington when Williams opted out. We, uh, we talked about this a little bit. Um, previously, what Washington brings to the table is uh, – passing game chops he, he's very good as a pass catcher he's a decent runner um he played for the Raiders for four years as soon as he became a fr- uh, free agent Andy Reid went out and signed him I think that speaks really highly you know Reid watched him across the sidelines uh eight times and said hey, at, when that guy's free I want him on my team something that I had not I had totally forgotten about the established run guys brought this up on their one of their more recent podcasts Washington played with Patrick Mahomes in college and so for the two years that they were together at Texas Tech, which I think was under uh, Cliff Kingsbury, which was part of the reason some of us were like real pumped up about the idea of Kingsbury getting his hands on a, um, a featured back because he uses them really well through the passing game. Um, but with their two years together, I believe, were 2014 and yeah, 2014 
and 24. Well, so, okay, so let's only go 2015 because that was the year they really played. Mahomes didn't get a, a ton of run in 20. Oh, no, he did. Yeah, excuse me. All right. 2014 and 2015. In 2014, uh, DeAndre Washington totaled 30 receptions, 328 yards, two TDs, had a bunch of rushing yards as well. Uh, 2015 was his senior season. He told 41 receptions, 41 Patrick Mahomes receptions, 385 yards, two touchdowns. Um, DeAndre Washington will have to learn the Chiefs' playbook. Darwin Thompson has a season of not playing very much, but learning the Chiefs' playbook. Uh, DeAndre Washington has four years NFL experience. Um, Reed liked him enough to sign him. And he has on-field rapport of one and a half seasons at Texas Tech catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. That kind of a personal relationship, I think, carries immense weight in what we talked about all offseason, the COVID offseason, where you really don't get a lot of time to practice with other people. This is very different than, um, I, you know, I was, again, I was pumped up about him just from Reed wanting him to bring him onto the team. But the fact that these guys, this was his lead back in, in their, uh, you know, th- for a whole season in college together and they balled out together. Um, yeah, I, now again, Darwin Thompson, he's going off the board as like, pick number 200 overall and Washington is going undrafted. So, you know, we, we can't poke holes too much. And these are darts. Each other has to say they, they are darts. Yeah, and, I, and I, and I think you raise a, real, a lot of really good points with Washington. Um, just pick one of them. Right. Like, yeah, just pick one of them. Cause I think somebody here is getting eight to 10 touches, maybe even up to 12, given what you think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be able to handle. Um, so yeah, I just, I, it's just such awesome value right here. And if you guys, and if you're trying to pick between the two of them, I would make sure to key in on any kind of like practice notes that come out. Uh, and if they mention any one of these players, uh, you know, anytime Nick's not getting that I was referencing his, his good point earlier. I was just playing along. I know I was, I was playing you, Nick. I wanted, I wanted to make sure the people knew, knew how to figure out how to get this information. All right. Well, there you I go. Think, I think you should skip both of them and just drop Anthony Sherman for the novelty. He's the true RB2 <laughs> in Kansas City. Just take Spencer Ware, the smartest guy in the we'll, league. We'll each, we'll each pick one backup person who could be a running back for Kansas City, and we'll see who gets the ultimate payout. And it's going to be Jordan with Anthony Sherman. He's going to somehow fall into like four touchdowns, and you're just like, there you go. It's more than anyone else got. Uh, well, there's the AFC West in a, in a full deep dive, uh, talking about all the different players who we like and don't like. Make sure to subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That's how you'll not only get us, the RB1 Fantasy Football Podcast, but also our Fantasy Baseball and Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at PM Rogers. You can follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nicholas at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week to cover the AFC East. Until then. Peace.